0: on the wall listen to the watchmen on the wall. ladies and gentlemen, this is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. I want to begin today's broadcast in the book of Hebrews chapter 13. And speaking of Hebrews, wouldn't that be a great coffee company, Hebrews? I thought it was an original idea, found out that there were many Hebrews coffee cups across the country, namely in Texas. But um, one day here in Northwest Arkansas, if time permits, and the Lord wills, Uh, We will have a gathering place called Hebrews. It'll be a coffee shop. I've got a friend named Paul who is a specialist in coffees from around the world. And we're going to have live music and chess boards and a gathering place for young people and elderly people uh, and middle-aged people and all kinds of people to come and fellowship, break bread, hear the word of God and music and just have a good time. It's always been a vision. I don't know if it's going to happen in the millennium or it's going to happen in this time only God really knows. But uh, today, it's Friday, and I really wanted to talk with uh, my, the audience that we have um, and, and kind of bring maybe three years of our doing this on, in this platform to a uh, somewhat of a consummation and an understanding of why we do what we do. Uh, We had a caller yesterday that called in. It was a very wonderful call, and the caller had mentioned that uh, we are very outspoken concerning the LGBTQ community and homosexuality and sexual perversion, and we cry probably louder than most people, quite frankly. We were told years ago by a dear friend, please stop talking about it so much, and Uh, It just revved up my engine all the more because I believe that salvation is necessary and that the delusion of believing that these things are okay uh, needed to be met with God's truth. And so I have just resisted uh, preaching and it could sound bigoted. It could sound, you know, uh, uh, like something that's not intended. And so the caller yesterday who knows me personally mentioned that uh, thank God he did know me because when we have met these people, and it is the truth, uh, we have ministered to homosexuals, lesbians, pedophiles, transgender people, people that have just been involved in pornography. I mean, you name it. And we've met people where they are. We've come out of some of our own stuff. And so we're not the legalist, holier-than-thou people that uh, it may seem when we're crying out against this, you know, sin is sin. But there are certain sins that affect us more than others. The Bible says when we commit fornication that we are affected deeply because you're actually bringing someone else's spirit into your soul and homosexuality. Actually, according to the Word of God, actually affects the personality of an individual. Uh, they receive the reward due them, Romans chapter 1. But that's not the point of where I want to talk today. Uh, the fact of the matter is that we have been for many, many years now, going on 29 years of the ministry, ministering to people from every walk of life, whether they are females coming out of stuff or men coming out of stuff or whatever the situation is. And I just felt today, I wanted to share with you why I do what I do. Why do I cry out? Because I'm holier than thou. I'm self-righteous. God forbid. We know a lot better than that. Um, Why do we do it? So I want to read to you out of the book of Hebrews, chapter 13 you know, why is this pulpit, and may Holy Spirit really help me to present this to your mind so that you can be judicial about it and and weigh and judge what I'm saying. Why, when you tune into Omega Radio and the Watchmen and you see Pastor Vincent Xavier and you hear our conversations about the end times, I don't think the end times conversation is far-fetched. I believe that that is so real that we really are living in the last days. Whatever that means, uh, you know, globally you look through a biblical lens you see the signs of the times you bring interpretation of those things and it is as clear as could be i don't think there's any question and when people step back and say well they've been saying that for years you know that's the second peter chapter three mockery and scoffing that we just don't pay attention to that we pay attention to what the word of god says and so we have done our very best to present the Word of God in light of world events and to bring interpretation to that so that God's people, the true seekers of God, would say, wait a second, this is true. We've gone after doctrines we believe were disarming people, like the pre-tribulational rapture, once saved, always saved. Christians can't have demons. uh, And we could go on down the list. And we've done that for the purpose of awakening people to what the Bible says, not what the denomination says or even what a pastor says. What does the Word of God have to say about it? So this is kind of our assignment, our calling. But when it comes to the understanding of being totally free from sin, um, you know the the the, uh, the the terribleness of living a lifestyle that is opposite of what God is called for, i.e., fornicating, homosexuality, adultery. Now, don't get me wrong; sin is not just limited to sexual sin. Even though there's a lot of sexual perversity going on around the world today, uh, the man who fornicates, the woman who fornicates, the man who commits adultery, the woman who commits adultery, they have just as much condemnation on their life as the homosexual and the lesbian and the, uh, the people that are, you know, outside of the normality and the naturalness of men with females. But there is a harsher judgment upon particular sins. They do affect the personality. So, Why do we, why do we so, why are we, as my my brother said yesterday, why are we so outspoken against it? Why do we shout so loud? Because we're better than anybody else, right? No, God forbid. Here is the reason why. In Hebrews chapter 13, and I just want to pick it up in verse one. I mean, Hebrews is an incredible masterpiece of a letter. And unfortunately, I'm going all the way to chapter 13, but it will make the point And it says in verse 1, Hebrews 13, 1, let brotherly love continue. And that is awesome. That's the end of the commandment, right? Let brotherly love continue. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels without knowing it. Somebody walks into your life, there's a stranger. The word of God here says, You know, don't be forgetful to entertain. In other words, not tell stories and jokes. Entertain meaning take care of people. Watch, you know, somebody walks into your life, you don't know them. Well, help them if they need help. Don't just let people walk by. And then the reason why is that they've entertained angels without knowing it. Angels are walking on this earth in the form of human bodies. And they could come in any form, I would imagine, and I don't understand all that, and I do not intrude into those things. The Word of God forbids the intrusion into angels and all those things, so I don't, but this scripture does say, treat everybody with kind respect, because you never know if you're dealing with an angel. Well, praise God for angels. Well, verse 3 goes on to say, remember them that are in bonds And, you know, there are a lot of Christian brothers and sisters in bonds. There are people in bonds or jail and prison uh, as bound with them. Now, he's referring to people that are in bonds for the word of God, for their faith. Okay, we're not talking about just remembering people that committed crimes and they're in jail. He's talking about the believers who were persecuted for their faith. To remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. In other words, and them which suffer adversity. So there are those that suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. So in other words, you know, it's, it's really not about, you know, me personally or you personally. It's we as a body. If one suffers, we all suffer. If one rejoices, we all rejoice. This is probably the, the you know, just a great mystery and instruction on how we live. You know, if a member of the body hurts, man, I'm hurting. And it's not unto ourselves. It is, we are connected to the body of Christ. And so the writer is saying, in verse four, marriage is honorable in all. And I love that. Marriage is good. It's honorable. And the bed, the marriage bed, undefiled. But whoremongers... And adulterers, God will judge. So the writer of Hebrews 13 uh, is, is making this clear that God loves marriage. He instituted marriage. He created marriage. He wants people to have marriage. And he says the bed, speaking of the sexual part of the marriage, is undefiled. Enjoy the daylight, that of your lovemaking with your mate. Hallelujah, right? So God is not this prude. He's not prudish. He just wants it to be done right and he doesn't want people fornicating, committing adultery, or doing crazy things outside the marriage bed. So it's very clear that any sexual activity outside the marriage bed, whether it's masturbating to pornography or whatever, it is not right before the Lord. It is wrong. It's something where the fruit of self-control has to come into view, and a man and a woman should know how to conduct themselves and you never put yourself into temptation. You don't put yourself in the suspect positions. You don't give an appearance for evil, ever. You just do what is right, honor God, and he'll honor you. Now, in verse 5, let your conversation, and here it's not talking about talking, it's your conduct, let your conversation be without covetousness. So live your life without being covetous and be content with such things as you have. Be content with what you have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake you. I'm never going to leave you. You're always going to have your needs met. I'm never going to forsake you. I'm going to be with you through everything, and I'm always going to make sure that you have your needs met. You don't have to be like the heathen nations of the world, seeking what am I going to eat? What am I going to drink? What am I going to put on? Your father knows that you need these things. He's going to provide everything. So this is just in basic instruction. But the question is, why do, why do we do what we do? Why are we on here shouting out against the atrocities, the evils, the wickedness, the sin uh, outside in the world and in the body of Christ? Why do we want to see the victory, the transformation, the new nature and all these things take place? Well, verse 5, or excuse me, verse 6, so that we may boldly say. All right. So when we follow these instructions, we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. See, when we honor God and do what is right, there's a boldness. The righteous are as bold as a lion. If we are unrighteous, we cannot be as bold as lions. We could try to be, but it's really not real. But our boldness comes from doing what is right and What's awesome about righteousness is that we have a righteousness that's way beyond our own that we can live out from, and that is the righteousness of Christ. But here's the reason, all right? This is the reason why when you tune in to The Watchman on Omega Radio and you listen to Pastor Vincent Xavier and he's out there talking about all the things going on in the world, this is the reason why. Remember them which have the rule over you. Who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation or their conduct. Look at their lives. Paul the Apostle was able to say to the church, follow me as I follow Christ. Okay, so that's one verse here, but the secret there is remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. Remember them which have the rule over you. And don't worry about it. We're not, uh, I want to make this abundantly clear. The scriptures I'm reading, this man you're looking at right now, zero desire to control anybody's life. Honest to God. It's the furthest thing from my mind is to control a person. Our job is to instruct, to bring the word of God, to encourage, exhort, desire for people to do it God's way, because we know the blessing, because as we have followed the Lord, we have seen the blessing. So we want good things. We've been in the deliverance ministry for a long time and seen a lot of people's pain, and we've seen a lot of people disturbances in their soul and issues, and it takes a long time in many cases to get things cleaned up, but what we want to do is instruct and that's really part of what it means to have the rule over you. I could even give you some definition on that. And if you have a pastor in your life, if you have a godly authority in your life, if there's someone in your life that God has brought to your life to instruct you, they have the rule over you. You said, I don't let anybody rule over me. Well, sometimes God sends people to rule over us. And the word rule, by the way, is the hagiome. And what it literally means, and I love this, the hagiome is... It means to lead. There are people that are in our lives to lead, i.e. command with official authority. And the only official authority that anybody has on this earth to lead or instruct or command would be the authority of God. Paul the apostle said he had a rod of authority. He said, do you want me to come in love or do you want me to come with a rod of authority? So he knew that to the church, he was an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven, and he had this legal authority, this right from God to instruct the church. And if people were out of line, he was carrying a rod, like a shepherd carries a rod. You may not like that idea, but it is the word of God. Then it says, uh, to deem or to consider, it means to govern. So to rule means to govern, to judge, have the rule over and so this could be abused by some people. They could get on a on a, on a power trip and start trying to, you know, beat the flock. It's not our heart. But the Word of God says this does exist. Now, the idea is while we're doing our part in doing what? Speaking the Word of God, then there are those that should allow and follow the lead and allow that to really take root in their lives. Now, he goes on in verse... And I'm just going to skip all the way down to verse 17, and he says it again, and you could read everything in between. Obey them that have the rule over you. Obey them that have the rule over you. you, do, you do you go to work? Do you have a, a job where you have a boss? Well, in that setting, obey your boss, right? Now, of course, if your boss is a dirty, rotten scoundrel, then you don't work there anymore. So obey them that have the rule over you. And that word obey in Hebrews 13, 17 is pitho. And the word actually means um, to convince, uh, to, um, to assent, to agree, to uh, trust, Okay, these are really cool words when you stop and think about it. So obey, trust, agree, go along with them that have the rule over you. And that word over you, it's an interesting word. It's the humoni and it means to just people that have a measure of authority over, but it doesn't mean over the top ruling down on it literally comes from the idea of serving uh and not getting above the knees we've learned that lesson a long time ago I had a great passer in that way all right so obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves and there's a reason why I'm sh- I'm saying this to you submit is the hubiko and that means to resist no longer don't resist them that have the rule over your life. Submit to them. Why? If you stop resisting, you submit because they're giving you the Word of God. They're sharing with you the instruction of the Word of God for the goodness and the benefit of your life. They're not trying to control you, take away from you. The true leadership in the body of Christ should be leading people into an abundant life the right way. The right way. It also means Uh, To yield, give way. Uh, It means metaphorically to yield to authority and admonition. Yield to authority and admonition. So these are very simple terms. Verse 17, obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves. Now, here's the reason why we're even talking about this. Okay, this is why I do what I do. For they watch for your souls, as they that must give account. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. Let me, just, let me just be super honest here. The ministry that Patricia and I have been blessed by God to be a part of, to serve in the economy of Father's heart to the body of Christ, we take that very seriously. And I'm sure there are lots of people do. Every minister, every minister of the gospel should take their position seriously and what they're relaying to people. You see, I'm okay if there's a pre-trib rapture, if you could prove in the word of God that there is. But until I am, there's no other, there's no other possibility. There's no way I'm going to be preaching that because the people that are preaching a pre-tribulational rapture, for example, or once saved, always saved, are going to give an account to God how that doctrine has affected the people following them. Okay, this is super important, but there's more to it. So we are those that watch for your souls, which means... God has given the ministers of God an ability to see into people's lives to know what is right and what is wrong. And it doesn't mean that we walk around finding fault, being critical, pointing fingers. No, what it actually means when God wants to raise somebody up is he gives us insight to their heart. And then we begin the work of getting them to come into agreement what's going on, to get them to see what they can't see on their own. And then when the minister of God is able to bring someone to look at themselves. The way that they're being viewed, the way that God sees them through that mystical ministry of the Holy Spirit of the living God, the ability to peer in. Well, now that individual is getting themselves cleaned up so they can move on in the purpose of God. We're supposed to be watching for the souls. Now, there's a lot of wolves. There are people that make merchandise out of this ministry. There are people that use it to make money. There are people that do all kinds of things, to have power. Paul was in prison. He said some even preached to add insult to injury. I mean, they were doing it. Their whole motive was wrong. But when a true minister of God comes to a place of realizing I'm not here to be your friend, I'm not here to scratch your back, I'm not here to you know, tell you smooth things that you want to hear and and just kind of befriend you, That's not what the true ministry of God is for. It's also not to be cruel or overbearing. It is a ministry that the minister of God is going to give what it says. They watch for your souls as they that must give account. We're going to give an account. Every man, every woman on television, in every church all over the world, everybody who takes a position behind a pulpit and instructs out of the word of God as one of the fivefold ministry, whether it be the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, are all going to give an account for how they have labored in the body of Christ. One of the great scriptures here, and I want to get back to Hebrews, but in 1 Peter, for example, 1 Peter chapter 5, um, very cool passage of scripture. Peter was writing to the people that were in the ministry, and he said to them, he said to the ministers, and this is 1 Peter 5.1, the elders which are among you, Peter, an apostle, is writing to the elders, the elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of christ he just elevated peter was with the lord right and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed i'm one of those and here's the admonition to the elders feed the flock of god which is among you taking the oversight thereof not by constraint but willingly Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being and samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fades not away." So Peter, an apostle who was with Jesus in the mountain, saw his glory, partook of the sufferings of Christ. He's writing to all these elders that are coming into the Ecclesia 2,000 years ago as the church was spreading out and growing. He's saying, listen, your job as an elder is to feed the flock of God. What? What do you feed them? Good doctrine." You feed the flock of God good doctrine. You don't water the doctrine down. You don't mix the doctrine of the Lord with the doctrine of the world. You give pure doctrine, which leads to holiness, deliverance, salvation. I mean, power of God. The true doctrine of God is very powerful. And so Peter's saying, this is what I want you to do. Now, you go back to Timothy, talking about the elders. And what we read there in 1 Timothy chapter 5, okay, and we'll just pick it up in, oh, verse 1, and then we'll just skim a little bit. 1 Timothy five one. i I'm giving you an understanding why we do what we do. Uh, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, and younger as sisters with all purity. Okay, so he starts this off with the elders. And then... In verse 17, 1 Timothy 5, 17. Let the elders that rule well, again, ruling, the elders in the house of God, let them, elders that rule well, be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. So if there is an elder, if there's a five-fold ministry in your life, and they are laboring in the word and doctrine to present it to you so that you could feed off of good doctrine and grow into everything that God wants you to be, all he's saying, Paul, who is an apostle, he's saying, count them worthy of double honor. Give them double honor. Okay? There's a reason for it. And I'm going to go back to Hebrews and show you why. And then he says, for the scripture says, thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn, and the laborer is worthy of his reward. So while we're not claiming to be hirelings, you know, I'm a hireling, I get paid for what I do. It also is very clear that through double honor, those who labor in the word and doctrine, that they should receive double honor, receiving the benefit like Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said, you know, the farmer, he gets the milk and, you know, the the, the guy that's, whatever. We'll show, show that in just a little bit. So, against an elder, receive not an accusation. Don't receive an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. Them that sin, rebuke before all, that others also may fear. Wow. So... I want to go back to Hebrews in chapter 13, and I want to conclude this, why we do what we do. And then we want to talk about it for just a moment on this Friday morning. So Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. What is the writer of the book of Hebrews saying to the congregation? He's he's saying, hey, obey, agree with, trust in, submit, yield to this authority in your life, for God has granted them authority uh, to instruct you, to lead you, to guide you, to direct you. And you need to submit to that for they're doing it for a good purpose, the true ones. They're watching out for your soul. They're going to give an account to God, the chief shepherd, when he appears. And the the elders and the shepherds and the people that are serving the Lord should not look for all the benefits in this life. They're going to get their crown when the Lord returns, having done a good job. We know that. But he's saying to the congregation, submit to them that they may do it with joy. In other words, don't make the job of the elders that are laboring in word and doctrine to feed the congregation of God and doing it the right way, don't make their job difficult, make it so it's a joyful experience. And then he says that they may do it with joy and not with grief. You know, so the the Holy Spirit through this writer is making it clear that the true ministers of God that are doing the real job, how many of you understand that perhaps there's a lot more pressure going on in their lives than there is in, you know, the general congregation? That there's more warfare that goes on against them. I know people view the ministers of God as being at the top, and they have the suits, and they do this and that. But if they're real, if they're real ministers of God, They are enduring more warfare and the labor of being in the word, bringing doctrine to feed God's people. It's not their people. They're God's people, the responsibility that is upon them. So don't make it a grievous experience by being disobedient, resisting. Treat them with double honor. Give them the due respect as being ministers from God into your life. Now, this is is an amazing thing because he says, do with joy, that they may do with joy, not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. So in other words, if people in the congregation are causing grief to the ministers of God for one reason or another, it becomes unprofitable for the congregation because you're adding pressure and you're resisting. Kind of like Moses, good, good Old Testament example, Moses was ordained by God to lead the people. He didn't think he was worthy to do it. That's probably why God uh, chose him. So he's leading the congregation, the flock of Israel, through the wilderness. But Korah rises up, and Korah says, hey, who are you, Moses? Who do you think you are? I could do a better job than you. Well, what he did was created strife and confusion. And in any local assembly where God has ordained authority, Anybody that's within that congregation, even elders and whoever's there, uh, you ha- always have to be aware of that, you know, people are gravitating to you and people are, you know, and you're, you're weaving, you know, into their minds and into their lives and into their souls to draw the attention to yours. You don't ever do that because that creates conflict because you're not the ordained minister of that local assembly. And those who are ordained, they're the ones that the body is supposed to submit to. And Moses was the guy. But when Korah came around and did what he did, he created division in God's flock. And a lot of people had to die because they sided with Korah. And that's been going on since the beginning of time. And it will go on until the very end of time. But if you want to have a joyful, peaceful, beautiful uh, journey with Jesus as members of the body of Christ, This is the writers giving wisdom, saying, this is how you do it. This is how you do it. So I cry out against sin because the Word of God cries out against sin without any leaven. You see, it's not about me. It's not about my personality. It's not about me being better than or less than anybody It's me having a responsibility that I'm going to give an account to God for the way that we minister through these airwaves and behind the pulpit and one-on-one. We are going to give an account. Now, I don't know how many ministers out there operate by that principle. I'm going to give an account for the way that I have dealt with God's people. I know I have authority for their benefit, but I also have a rod for the reproof and the rebuke and to keep God's camp clean. And sometimes it appears that the the shepherd, he must be watchful of what's going in the congregation. Last night, Brother Sam brought out an amazing point when it talks about the narrow pathway. And he said, you know, what that really means is they narrowed the gate through which the sheep could come through so they were able to examine each one of those sheep. And if they all came through a broad way, you couldn't really figure out what's going on, what's any problems, and the wolves could sneak in, and the, and the critters could sneak in. But when you go through that narrow gate one at a time, now the shepherd is able to examine. And then among when they all enter in and they're in that place, there's, there's shepherding that goes on. You have to take care of, you have to watch over, you have to make sure the little, you know, demons don't get in there and start doing their little stuff. It is a job is what I'm trying to get out. And over the airwaves, the people that we minister to, that we don't have access into your personal life with you. All I could hope is that we're giving good doctrine and we're instructing you in the right way. But if you ever came to this ministry and God brought you and you yielded and submitted to, and you knew that this was from the Lord, then it would be simple submit, yield, make the job easy, give double honor, because the benefit that comes into your life should be beautiful. It should be beautiful. And the work of the fivefold ministry is to bring people up into the full measure of Christ. Now, when people take it upon themselves to do it their way, every house has its own rules. And, you know, people hate the word rules today. They don't like the word obedience today. Every house has rules. I hope you have some standards And some rules, you might wanna exchange the word rule for standard. Hopefully when you go to your house, there are standards. You clean the dishes in the sink. Some people, their standard in their house. Their kids use the dishes, if people use the dishes, they put it in the sink and let it pile up until somebody takes the initiative, usually mom, come home and wash all their dishes. Other people's homes, they have a standard. You wash, you use a dish, you wash the dish, you put the dish away. Okay, and that's the standard, and it becomes unacceptable if you don't. Now, when people, if if you're a parent and you're saying this is the standard of our house, you use a dish, you wash it, you put it away, and day after day after day after week after month after year, there's they just won't do it. They're making their job of the parent grievous, and that becomes unprofitable for the whole household. And if you've ever been with a congregation and there's just somebody that just won't do it the way that the standard of that fellowship is, they just won't do it. It makes it very difficult. And it becomes unprofitable for that individual. It's hard and grievous for the ministers that have to deal with it, but it shouldn't really have to be dealt with if people would just do what is right in the standard of that ministry. Does that make sense? I hope so. Anyways. The reason why I do what I do is because I'm not willing to stand before God after my short vapor life, when when my time expires on this earth. I'm just not willing to stand before God and say, well, I really didn't uh, do it the best way. I lowered your standards, God. I didn't really warn them about sin and how a little leaven will leaven the whole loaf. And how uh, participation with the world and friendship with the world makes them an enemy of God. I really didn't want to do that because I was more concerned about winning friends and influencing people and getting together a bunch of people and having a happy time and everybody's okay with everything. And we don't, you know, we're not judges and we don't look. And I'm not willing to do that. I will never be willing to do that. I'm working out my own salvation with fear and trembling. Truthfully, in my mind, my soul, my conduct, my actions, my words, I'm working it out. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving me a willing heart to do that. There's not another person, I don't think, that transcends the good desire to live the abundant life. Man, I tell you what, I absolutely love having a good time with people. I love laughing. I love playing chess or Monopoly with grandsons or whoever. I love playing tennis. I love working. I I just love the adventure. I love to go hiking. And I know this sounds like some kind of a thing, but I'm just telling you, my life, and and when God opens the door and God says, go speak at conferences, go travel, start home fellowships, I'm 1,000% in, just waiting for God to open the doors to do these things. And everything else will have to be on standby and put on the shelf and we'll go do the work of God with as much enthusiasm as loving life. My point is this, I love life that God has given me. And the Bible says, if you will love life and have long days, then this is what you do. There's nothing wrong with loving life. Jesus said he came to give an abundant life. But I have found that abundant life doesn't mean how much someone has. It means the quality of of contentment with what you have you know, spending $4 to go play a game of tennis, man, that, is, that takes care of a whole day for me, a whole day of, man, was that great. Now let's get busy and do everything else. So I am not promoting, even in these end times and last days, when all the stuff is going to be hitting, that people get into fret and fear and, and bury themselves. I do believe that people should be preparing. We have spent years doing that spirit, soul, and body. I do believe that people should be watching themselves and watching, you know, how, they, how they're how they doing with what God has given them. I believe in good stewardship. You know, I thank God for my wife, Patricia, who God has brought into my life to stand with me because the things I, sh- I am short in, she takes care of. And there's not too much that she hasn't learned over the years that I could, you know, help her. Uh, I do in my way as a husband and to to be everything I possibly can to preserve, protect, and honor my wife the best way I know how to do. But when it comes to her walk with the Lord, she's, got a, she's on a journey, man, that is just awesome. So I'm the beneficiary in the relationship, and, and she benefits by me being her husband. But my point is, when two are doing it together, and they have the same mind, and they're moving in the same direction, it's an awesome power. Now you get a congregation in the same mind in the same power, moving in the same direction. That could be the most joyful journey on the planet. I mean, God took a nation out of Egypt, brought them into the wilderness, and if they just would have cooperated, it could have been an amazing journey. So I just felt that, you know, I needed to explain why I do what I do. Why I do what I do. Because I believe, and I think the one thing If there were one thing that marked my life to get me through stuff, it was the fear of the Lord. And I still have a healthy fear of the Lord. And when it comes to my responsibility of giving an account for how we've dealt with the body. Now, if there are people in our congregation that are doing what is wrong and we don't deal with it because it's inconvenient... I'm going to give an account for that. I am. They're not. I mean, they have to deal with God on their own. But I'm going to give an account because this is God's heritage. This is God's flock, but it's also God's house. And God expects a particular conduct in his house. When people come to this body, and this what I'm saying about this body should be in all churches. They come broken. They come with their own ideas. They come from someplace. And wherever they've been and whatever they walk through the doors with, if it's accurate and it measures up to the Word of God and it's consistent with what God is doing in in their lives, wonderful. But oftentimes, we have to re-educate people with the Word of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's healthy for me because it keeps me buried in the Word of God studying the Word of God and dependent totally upon the Holy Spirit. But a lot of times people come and they have habits, okay? A lot of people have really bad habits that they've grown up with or they've adopted, and they bring those habits into the church. And then it's the responsibility of the ministers of God to deal with those habits or to at least instruct people in that for them to deal with it. And when they don't, deal with the wrong habits after being instructed in the word of God, again, it makes things very difficult. And you wonder how much time people are spending when they hear the words of God that convict them about their bad habits. How much time are they spending dealing with that? Well, again, this is ministry. But you don't let people just come into the church with a bunch of bad habits, doing things the way they've always done it, and it's not consistent with the high standards of God's word, and don't say anything. Come on, people come into the church eating ding-dongs, cupcakes, they're loaded with disease and they're overweight because of it, but they don't deal with it. Somewhere along the line, you've got to sit down with people and say, you know what? You're not treating the temple of God with as much respect as you can. Can we begin to make it like a little tiny change? Well, everybody else is. It's not about everybody else. It's about you, okay? Can we make a little change? And then you gotta watch out for hypocrisy, you know, oh being critical and pointing a finger at what everybody else is. And you do the same thing, then it's a problem. See, it's a very complex work if you want to know the truth. So what we do here, as often as we can, we we bring the word to shine a light on what's going on in the world. So we talk here about global events like Big Brother spying on everybody. The movements of China and Russia and artificial intelligence and, uh, you know, persecution that's coming and it's already here around the world. Artificial intelligence is already here. Uh, Spyware is already here. People are being watched. They're being listened to. You know, all of it. It's already around us. And where does that, when we look at that, what does that mean in the Bible? Well, it means that there's a great tribulation coming. There's an antichrist coming. There's a new system of a new world order that's coming that's going to enslave people's minds and souls. People are going to have to receive a mark of the beast. So we go through all of it to instruct people with knowledge of God's word to prepare. We never instruct in the purpose of getting people afraid, producing a dramatic movie thing, uh, any of that. We instruct people and they must take the initiative to prepare accordingly to what they hear. If, they read if they hear something here and they say i don't agree with that i don't believe we're in the last days i don't believe i need to get food and water and shelter and medical supplies and different things to go through a three and a half year great tribulation or five years or whatever i don't need to do any of that you know that's weird to me i want to i just want to live in the world i want to go to work i want to get my kids to school i want to do whatever i'm supposed to i don't want to be bothered what i say to people okay that's fine go ahead and live the life that god's called you to live but what's wrong with preparing? Well, because the Bible says that we're not supposed to worry about what we're going to eat or drink or put on. And I think, wow, that's a great point. But you have to balance that too with God also said in the last days would be like the days of Noah. And what did Noah do? He built an ark. And so it's like you got to do something and you got to have balance. But the severity of the times that we are living in and we suspect are going to get even more intensified as the dawning appears of end-time Bible prophecy that we've already bore witnesses begun, um, we'd probably do well to prepare and then trust it to God. You see, Noah could have spent 100 years building his ark, but if God didn't shut the door, it would have flooded, right? This is that God shut the door. The door was shut. And so if God was not with them when they entered into the ark, if God wasn't protecting them, a bunch of bad people would have got in there and destroyed everything they had worked for. So we do what God tells us to do the best way we know how to do it, and then we leave the results with God sincerely. We trust him to protect what he told us to do. Now, if we're doing something God never told us to do, it may be wide open to the adversary, right? But if we're diligent and we're seeking the Lord and we're going, hey, Lord, these signs of the times are here. Uh, you told us that we should take note of the signs of the times. And when you see these things begin to come to pass, we're to flee into the mountains and flee into the wilderness and all these things. Well, Lord, I, I see it coming. Um, and I, I do want to be prepared. A wise man prepares when he sees the storm coming. A foolish man passes on and is destroyed. I believe that I have the confidence that I could stand before God and say, what did you do at that radio ministry? Well, Lord, I, I brought your word. I, I always wanted to incorporate your word. Uh, I showed through your word the times that our generation, okay, I'm not going back to the ends, beginnings and all that, but our generation seems to be really fulfilling everything that you said would be happening prior to the second coming of Christ and we should be prepared for the second coming which means we need to prepare for the great tribulation because in the last days this is a terrifying reality the love of many will be lost many are going to turn away from the faith they're going to defect they're going to go a wall okay they're going to let go of their love they're going to become worldly they're going to become corrupt they're going to be enslaved and entangled they're going, they've are going. they once tasted the power of God and were partakers of the Holy Ghost, but they fell away. It's impossible to renew them again. So the Bible is so clear about what's happening in the last days with the deception that we have to keep telling the truth. And that's why I keep telling the truth about homosexuality and lesbianism, not just to condemn people that are in it like our brother said yesterday. It's not to condemn. They're already condemned, but to get the church not to side with it and say it's okay, and capitulate, like what's going on. But more importantly, maybe a homosexual, a lesbian, or some other person would hear the message of God's truth and confess and repent and get on the right track and get into eternal life rather than eternal damnation. You know, it may not matter much to you and I right now, but the fact of the matter is, if a man is living a homosexual life and he dies in that lifestyle... Or the man that is walking in pride or stealing or lying. I get it. But the deception is the world is saying it's okay. A woman goes to an abortion clinic. She slaughters the blood in her womb and the Planned Parenthood says it's okay. And the government said it's legal. And yet, psychologically, what is happening to that woman, the facts are in, science is in. They just murdered life in them. And they carry this. And what they do to the womb when they, I, I mean, it's just, it's a phobia that it's not right. But because the government says it's okay, and then Planned Parenthood comes across with a modern, oh, loving, you know, it's okay, you're doing the right thing, and God condemns it. And so people do the same thing with their sexual perversion. They say, oh, this homosexuality is okay, I love my partner, uh, vice versa with lesbianism and all that. But God says, no, it's an abomination. It's a confusion. And if you commit this act and die committing that act, you're going into eternity separated from the love of God. A woman having an abortion, she hemorrhages and dies. She's going into eternity. And if she has an abortion, has never confessed it, she's never asked God to forgive and repent and say, I would never do that again. And she can have the grace of God. But if they don't, they just go on. These people are going to die and they're going to be eternally separated from God. Men and women that are participating in grotesque actions and pornography and doing all these things, it may be sensual for the moment, but the end of their ways is death, eternal death. The man who's a liar is going to suffer if he stops, doesn't stop, lying in eternal death. The jealous man, the proud man, the arrogant man. I mean, go on down the list. Sin is sin. Now we come to Jesus. Our sins are forgiven. Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? God forbid. We've confessed what we've done to break God's holy laws. Now we're receiving God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit to go and live a life that we don't do those things anymore mentally emotionally physically but we have a flesh nature that wars against the spirit of god and so we have to continually yield either to the flesh which if we do we will die or to the spirit if we do we will live we're in a journey life is short and some people have a shorter fuse than others and because of the reality of eternity that looms upon us? Again, am I going to tell people what they want to hear to make them feel good, knowing that if I do that and they listen to me, they will be eternally separated from God? I can't do that. I can't do that. I'm going to continue to tell people, don't do anything that will give an appearance of evil. I'm going to continue to say to people, confess all sin, repent from all sin. I'm working on it, too. I'm doing it as well. I have found a beautiful balance in my life. Thank you, Jesus. Not to be a legalist, but to have great faith in the things of God's promises. So we, that's why I do what I do. That's why we cry out. Not to be some preacher that's railing against the world. Ah, That's not my heart. But to preach the word of God to a sin-sick world, warning it of its eternal destination unless they repent and turn to God, that must be done. And in the church, dealing with people on a one-on-one and a personal basis, preaching to the congregation of God, it's our responsibility. It's our responsibility. This week, uh, we'll be going away for a day or two, leaving today. We have a minister that is tried, true, and tested that will be ministering tomorrow night at the church. Sunday, there will be a special guest speaker there as well, and we'll be back on the air Tuesday, and we're going to keep doing it, and I'm hoping and trusting that, well, we have a day or two away that God is going to show us things in the Word that we could come back and share with anybody that wants to listen, anybody that's. God's directed to this ministry. Um, Jeffrey Nyquist, a gentleman that uh, we knew of many years ago because of a friend of mine, Benjamin Baruch, who used to do a lot of radio with me. He and Jeffrey Nyquist were on the same page for years. Uh, He's now talking to the uh, health ranger, Mike Adams, uh, on a, a story about China getting ready to attack. We heard stories today that there's going to be an attack against the United States today, someone said. Others, like myself, believe. The summer of violence is coming. I happen to agree with what President Trump said when he said it'll be a nightmare this summer. He said that a couple of months ago in an interview with his daughter-in-law. I happen to believe that's true. I happen to believe that we live in a world that 7 to 15 nuclear bombs could go off in 7 to 15 major cities across the United States on the same day at the same time. I happen to believe that an electromagnetic pulse could wipe out either through a software breach or a CME cronial mass ejection from the sun, that God has warned that it's going to happen. It could happen any time. I happen to believe that. And I happen to believe when that day comes, it's kind of like what Revelation 22 is. He who is just, let him be just. He who is righteous, let him be righteous. He who is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he who is unjust, let him be unjust still. In other words, people are going to come to a place of where you are is where you're going to stay. So we advocate righteousness, justness, and we have to. We want to know what it is to be born again. We want to know what it's like to uh, become that new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things that passed away. We want to walk in newness of life with wisdom, spiritual intelligence, um, Holy Spirit vitality. Because days are coming that are going to be tough. And we are absolutely aware of the fact that this ministry exists Only because God is undergirding it. That we know. We're we're fully aware. We're not smart enough. We're not intelligent enough in ourselves. We don't have acumen and ingenuity to run a business because we don't view the church as a business. And yet, there is, in the book of Acts, the understanding that there's a business of the kingdom. And so, there were deacons that we're supposed to take care of the business of the church. And there are people that have administrative skills. And there are, But for me and for my wife, those same apostles said, it's not fit for us to get involved in those things. We will give ourselves to the word and prayer to bring guidance and direction and to feed the flock of God. That's our calling. And how we do it is how we're going to be measured by God when we give an account in that day. So, I've got to get rolling, and um, that's my story, as my brother Mark would say, and I'm sticking with it. And let me say good, uh, good morning to a few friends on our chat room today. Kevin Hauger, good morning, Pastor V. Hope you're well-rested for getting there. Uh, Melissa Fletcher, good morning. Pastor Melissa, God bless you. Can't wait to come to Minnesota or South Dakota and minister back in um, Ignite Church with everybody up there in South Dakota. Uh, Cindy from San Diego. Good morning, Kevin. When the truth touches anyone on any issue, they will get mad upset for the truth. And by the way, I don't want you, Cindy, to think that I am going in the back door. My hair is getting so long, and Sieta is going to help cut it today. But we'll be looking for your soon arrival, okay? It's been too long. (laughs) But hurry home. Amen. Uh, Carol Carey, good morning. And good morning to you, Carol. John Hershey, good morning. Hey, John, God bless you, my friend. Uh, Kayla Steakley, amen. Kayla, God bless you. Good to see you on the chat room today. Cindy, a good message. Thank you, Cindy. Keith Carey, good morning, Pastor Vincent and everyone. Rejoicing that the spot on my right lung is a leftover from the m- pneumonia that began on 11-10-21. COVID It is 1.7 centimeters, another CT in three months. All right, let's believe that God obliterates the whole thing. Before you get there, Keith, Uh, Cindy, praise God, Brenda Torville. Good morning. Good morning, Brenda Torville. Uh, Cindy again. Amen. Kayla Stigley. Amen. Kevin Hauger. May Jesus fill your lungs with fresh air that will expel this scarring. Yeah, that was for uh, Keith Carey. Good. Uh, Yeah. Kevin's had mercy on his friends that have had it. Uh, Bailey Goss full of it. TikTok is full of witchcraft and readings and spiritual fake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Uh, Keith is saying, thank you. Jan Freiberger. Hello, Pastor Vincent. Any church recommendations for someone living in Southwest Florida? Southwest, a church like yours. Many thanks also. Where do I find your Bible studies? All right, Jan, here's what we do. You gather a few friends in Southwest Florida. Patricia and I will come down. We'll start a Bible study, and we will establish a home fellowship. If you're interested, make sure you give me a call. My number is 858-864-8712. We have friends in Sarasota, Florida, and we have no problem going down and starting a home Bible study at church. That's our vision and our ministry to the body of Christ outside of our pastoral. So if you want something that's like ours, we could actually come and share with you the pattern that God gave to us. Just get a few people together. Let's have a Bible study, Jan. God bless you. Uh, David Ellison, good morning. Good um, morning. Shirley Woolsey, good morning. Hey, hey, David, I hope we get to see you, Nicole, real soon. We always love seeing you guys. We love you so much and appreciate you staying with us uh, all these years. Uh, Shirley uh, Shirley Woolsey, good morning. Pray for safe travels. We do, Shirley. Safe travels to you wherever you're going in Jesus' name or you're praying for our safe travels. Thank you. That too. Um, All right. That's about it. It looks like we've covered all the bases today. To our friends on Blog Talk Radio, God bless you. Thanks for tuning in. And we're going to have a blessed weekend. I pray you're going to have a blessed weekend. And um, I think that's it. What more can we say? Have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you Tuesday right here on The Watchman. I'm Pastor Vincent Xavier. Right now, you could go to Omega Radio. That's omegaradio.org. That's omegaradio.org. Patricia Joy Xavier with her roundtable discussion. Don't want to miss it. We'll see you Tuesday. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.